Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Ors, and today we're going to be talking about a lot of wonderful films. But before we get started, I do just want to mention that Kids First has launched a crowdfunding campaign to help support our film critics program. We are more than halfway through our goal for $15,000, and today we, I just want to quickly ask for all your support to help expand Kids First training and educational opportunities for kids, both nationally and around the world. 100% of your donation supports our Kids First Film Critics team training and implementation. To donate, go to www.kidsfirst.org. With that out of the way, I'm going to introduce my first guest. Her name is Alice Khan, and she's absolutely amazing. She's responsible for a lot of TV shows that I really loved as a kid, including Arthur, The Magic School Bus, Sesame Street, Peppa Pig, so much more. She's also done a lot of incredible work in improving children's lives with shows like Stop Bullying, Speak Up, and she currently holds an Encore Fellowship in the nonprofit management. But on top of that, for her incredible work, she is receiving an award for achievement in children's television from North Fork TV Film Festival. Alice, how are you doing today? I'm terrific, and this is so great. I've been a fan of your work for a really long time, so it's an honor to be interviewed. Oh, well, thank you so much. That means so much. First, I want to know what inspired you to get into children's programming. Uh, I was uh, all I ever wanted to be when I was growing up was a school teacher, and I taught. Um, I started teaching in middle school in the late 1970s, and I had kids who really wanted to learn, but their reading skills weren't quite up to the textbooks that we were using, and so I began borrowing 16-millimeter film from the Jefferson Market Library in Lower Manhattan and realized that as much as my college education had been terrifically useful, um, I didn't know how kids learned from moving images as opposed to reading textbooks and discussion and writing essays and class discussions and things like that. Um, And so I went back to college, got my master's in what was then called educational technology, and was lucky enough to get an internship at a public television station in San Francisco. Um, So my start was really in the instructional television space, uh, which was, you know, TV that was designed to be used in classrooms to teach everything from uh, literature to mathematics and science. You know, personally, I am a massive advocate for film in schools. I think that educational TV and movies are absolutely phenomenal at teaching concepts. And I want to know from your perspective, what do you think makes moving pictures so powerful in communicating ideas for kids where a textbook could never explain it to somebody, but a five-minute video just showing them explains it so well. What do you think it is about movies that work so well? You know, I think it's more about, um, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that that you're a fan because I, I think there's there's so much that's been done and there's still so much to do. And it's why I'm a fan of Kids First because I, I think that there's so much still to create um, in the digital landscape. And I, I look forward to seeing what the future will bring. Um, but I, I, I think it's it's not so much what's different about um, what's different about film and video and it is what's unique about each of us as learners um, you've got you know some of us learn really well 
from the printed word. You know, we read something in a textbook or we read something in the newspaper or a book that we love and it speaks to us and we can kind of take that and, and run with it. Um, you know, for others, it's it's listening. Um, you know, people listen to podcasts or they listen to the news or, um, you know, they listen to music and that's what speaks to them and really captures their imaginations. And for others, it's it's the moving image. But, you know, what I think is really compelling about instructional, whether it's educational video or film um, uh, or, or game playing even, is it's that combination of the audio and the visual. So you've got all those senses being, um, you know, sort of being used and you can pick and choose as a viewer um, or as a, as a learner, you take what it is is most meaningful to you. So um, perhaps it's less about the medium and more about us as individuals. Well, I absolutely agree with that. You're listening to Kids First Comic Attractions, and now, right now we're talking to Alice Kahn, and specifically we're talking about the power of film to educate children. And you make a very good point that each child learns differently, and I think the educational program around the world should really represent that. So I completely agree. And I want to know a little bit about the work that you do. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the segment, you hold an Encore Fellowship in Nonprofit Management. Can you talk a little bit about that and the work you do with the fellowship? Yeah, it's it's a terrific opportunity. Um, I I have the the chance to work with nonprofit organizations. Right now, I'm specifically working with folks in Patterson, New Jersey, which, if you've never been, is a really cool city in northern Jersey. Um, not only is it um, sort of famous from for the uh, the the duel between Alexander Hamilton and and uh, and and Andrew Burr, but um, it, it also has a magnificent set of waterfalls that's uh, amazing to look at. So Patterson was a, a, a great manufacturing city in the, um, in the late 1800s. And then as manufacturing shifted, so did the city. Um, and, and the opportunity now is to work with nonprofit organizations in the education and community-based organization space, help them build strong boards of directors who can support the citizens of Patterson who are really reinventing their city. That's absolutely beautiful to hear. And I'm glad that the city is able to kind of convert and, you know, adapt to as times change. It's very sad to see when communities fail because the economy around them changes without their consent. That's a great point. And I'd also love to know what made you get into uh, working with nonprofit organizations? Uh, you know, with the exception of the 10 or 12 years I spent at uh, Cartoon Network, um, most of my career has been in the nonprofit sector. Uh, I worked for public television stations in San Francisco um, and then was at PBS for about 10 years and then uh, had the opportunity to work at Sesame Street on the production side for a couple of years. So I truly believe in the power of nonprofits to identify underserved markets and provide content and material that the marketplace hasn't yet caught up on. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories and, and you know, one of my f- favorite items that I still have is um, I, I actually have a, a baseball hat that says PBS Sports on it um, that I, I think I've had since about 1982. Um, 
you know, given that the U.S. Open just ended and there were tremendous television audiences for that on ESPN and other commercial networks, it's it's important to remember that the first time we ever saw tennis on television was on public television uh, because it, it wasn't something that the market thought was important. It wasn't something that could make a lot of money, um, but it was something that was important to, uh, you know, sort of people who wanted to broaden the definition of what kind of sports were interesting to folks. Um, so when you think about what public media has brought to us, you know, the first cooking shows were on public television. Now there's a cooking channel and food channel and all those other things. So um, I'm a big believer in the role that nonprofits play in identifying needs and interests that all of us have as, as unique individuals and trying to serve those who are underserved by um, the commercial marketplace. And then eventually um, that becomes a market and public television or public media moves on to the next challenge. Well, I have to really, really respect your morals. And I absolutely agree about public television. One thing that, you know, I really love about public television is the news. Always, always on public television. The news is some of the best you'll find around the country. So if you ever want really solid news, go to PBS. Now, I also want to ask you, of course, we have a lot of new issues in 2019 for the youth, the growth of the Internet, a changing global world. You know, we're all getting into a much, much closer and intimate lifestyle with each other. So what do you think is the strongest, most important lesson to teach kids today? Wow, that's a great question. And I'm not just vamping for time here. Um, You know, I think the first messages are really positive ones. What I love about the digital universe is that it offers those of us who have been in linear media for most of our careers, um, it finally offers us what we've always wanted uh, in that it offers us a chance to be both viewers and creators. Um, In the past, television offered us a a, a great window on the world, Um, but it it weren't scenes that we could create. We were watching what, what others developed. Uh, and what I really appreciate about um, YouTube Kids and, and other, other channels that offer folks an opportunity to post, into, you know, to post their own creations um, is that chance to be digital creators. Uh, and, you know, at, at this point, it's, you don't need fancy equipment. You just kind of need your phone or your parents' phone. Um, so what I, my hope for the digital universe um, and while there are challenges and we need to, you know, consider what the, the opportunities and challenges are regarding privacy and regarding protection of, of, of children. Um, and we always need to remember that the children are that vul- are a vulnerable audience and we need to be respectful of that. Uh, what I appreciate about uh, the digital universe is that opportunity for all of us to become not only viewers of content, but creators of content. Well, that was beautifully said, and I fully agree. You know, here at Kids First, we have the philosophy, by kids, for kids. That's why all our film critics and all our reporters are all youth, because they're reporting to youth. So I fully agree with all your work, and thank you, Alice, so much for being on the show today. Oh, I, I so appreciate you giving me this opportunity, and I wish you all the best. I'm a big fan, so I'll continue listening. Well, thank you very much. For our audience, definitely check out all of the shows that Alice have worked on that I mentioned. They are absolutely phenomenal, and they were a big part of my childhood, and I hope they can be a part of your childhood as well.
Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Yo-Kai Watch Season 1, Volume 2. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First film critics boot camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm sahiba and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we just finished talking with the amazing and inspirational alice can and next we're going to be talking with abigail about tall girl welcome to the show abigail thank you so much for having me of course. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Tall Girl. So can we first um, start by you telling me a little bit about the story and what the plot is? So Tall Girl is about overcoming your insecurities and less about bullying. And it's about the main character, Jody, played by the amazingly talented Ava Michelle, who is struggling in school because she is so tall at six foot one inches. And she's bullied her whole life because of it. She is called, like, Nice Sweatpants Sasquatch, and how's the weather up there? I think that would, like, hurt all of our feelings. Like, that's so upsetting that that would happen. And also, a foreign exchange student one day comes to her school, Stig, played by Luke Eisner, and takes an interest in Jody. So it throws her in a love triangle with her best friend, Dunkelman, played by Griffin Gluck, and her beauty queen sister, Harper, played by Sabrina Carpenter. Help her find the confidence and to believe in herself and truly accept herself. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful story. So how did watching this film make you feel? This film is absolutely stunning. I loved how the characters interacted with each other. They had a great bond together. And I loved all the humor that was in it and the love and the songs. It was so inspiring. Especially, I feel like myself and a lot of other people could relate to it. Because, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people have been bullied for any other reasons. And also, like, to always stand up for yourself is just amazing. 
because we all have insecurities about each other, about ourselves, I should say. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's so true and such a great message. Um, so you mentioned that there are songs in this film. Is it a musical? Well, it's not a musical, but it does have some songs in it, which are absolutely amazing. Oh, how cool. And did you have a favorite song? My favorite song is Stand Tall, and it is written by Luke Eisner. It was actually an original song because he has a band that he wrote, but it was, like, perfect. But it, it was originally about his father fighting cancer. But Luke and Ava wrote some new lyrics to stand up against bullying and, like, fit it into the movie. But the song was just absolutely amazing. And how the piano melody and their voices harmonized, it was just, like, mwah. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to listen to the song, and it has some very interesting origins. And so, do you like the com comedy and the humorous moments in the film? Yes, I thought they had amazingly funny comedic timing. Timing. Griffin Gluck's funny humor was hysterical. Like, he did impressions of Gordon Ramsay and uh, Kevin Hart and, like, so many other people. He was so hysterical. And just, I love the relationships, because, like, like I said, the relationships are so relatable for people. But, like, everything balanced out perfectly. The film is absolutely stunning. That's great to hear. And so, can you tell me um, a bit of, more about the acting and your thoughts on that? Yes. Well, Griffin Gluck's humor was absolutely hysterical. Like, there was, like, a scene where he was in the cafeteria area doing impressions of Gordon Ramsay and Kevin Hart. And then Sabrina's character, she's just so perfect. There's, like, nothing that she can't do. She's so amazing. And then also Ava, her voice was so beautiful. Her piano skills are just brilliant. And Luke, he's just... He's, like, so handsome. And, like, he has the smoothness of a young George Clooney. Like, he's stunning, and their voices harmonizing. It was just so perfect. <laughs> That's so wonderful. And sounds like a wonderful movie to watch. You're, a, yeah, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we've been talking with Alice Ken. We're going to be talking about Tall Girl, Out of This World, and Making Waves. And right now I'm going to continue talking with Abigail about Tall Girl. So Abigail, you were just telling me about the amazing cast. And Kent, you've met them as well, right? Yes, they were so nice. Like, their relationships with each other and their friendship, they're just absolutely amazing together. At the Four Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills. Like, it was such a great experience. It was, like, amazing. I was like, woohoo, when I got it. I was like, yes, score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so what um, are some of the questions you asked and things you got to learn from the cast? Well, like, it was like, what was working well, how was it, like, working on the film? And, like, can you tell us a little bit about your character? And, like, did you ever get bullied in school to Ava Michelle? That was, like, one of the questions I asked her. And she did. And she said that people would have... She said that people said that people would have to get a ladder to kiss her. And she was just, like, it hurt my feelings so much. I was like, if someone said that to you, that would make you feel so bad. And Sabrina, she just told us a little bit about her character... And she was like, she was so sweet and kind because I met Sabrina before and she was like, oh, can I just take you home? I was like, yes, please. She's so nice. She's like a big sister. And then Griffin, <laughs> he explained about his humor and like how he did the impressions. Like he was like, 
oh, I can't do any impressions, but the director was like, here, do this, learn it, okay, voila, stick it in the movie. And then Luke, he was just, he kept complimenting me, and I was like, thank you so much, and he's like so handsome and also tall. And (laughs) And I was like, actually, a couple days before, he follows me, he follows me on Instagram, I was like, thank you so much, Luke, for following me, but (laughs) it was amazing. Well, and they also all contacted me on Instagram, and they were just so sweet and kind. That's such an exciting and fun experience. Wow. And can you tell me, did you have a favorite character, or is it too difficult to choose? Favorite character? I can't pick one. Like, with any movies I see, they always make super good characters. And I just loved all of them. Like, all of them were so, like, great. I don't know. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah, when you can't pick a character, you know the movies yeah. really good. Maybe Luke Eisner. He just he was just great in it. I don't know. Everybody was so great. He was too cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is your favorite part about watching Tall Girl? My favorite part, maybe like the good message from it. Like it just inspired me to always stand tall, of course. And also to never slouch, because if you're tall, tiny, and like anything, if you are, if you have insecurities, you're perfect just the way you are, and you should always accept yourself. But that was a super good message. The music was beautiful, and I just, I loved it all. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, those are messages that are definitely universal. I know I could apply them. Anyone could apply those messages. Yes, sure. Yeah, and so was there something really special, really unique that you were like, oh, that was so good? Hmm. Um, I think just like, the, I'm going to say the message again and standing up against bullying, but also not like selling out for the popular crowd. You should never trade your integrity to hang out with popular people because if you like hanging out with a certain group, you should be like, stick to them. Don't hang out with other people for popularity. That's just like sad. And, you know, true friendship is really important. And you just should always like hold on to that. Yeah, true friends are definitely hard to find. And sometimes you can't find them in the popular group. And so, yeah. yeah. It's like digging for. <laughs> Mine for gold and find the little bits that are the best. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's such a cute analogy. I love that. And so, um, is there anything you think that could change or um, could need improvement? No, I think it was overall perfect. A great movie. How they filmed it in New Orleans was just such a good way how they filmed it. And everything in the movie, every element is so perfect. Like, I couldn't pick out one thing in my mind that was, like, bad. I just loved it all. That's awesome to hear, too. And so you mentioned um, the way they filmed the movie was really great. Can you expand a bit more on how what you thought of the visuals and the cinematography? Well, I liked how they cut to, like, the different scenes. It was very smooth. The camera wasn't shaky at all. It was just right there. And, like, how they had it up on their faces and when they talked was just perfect. And I think the quality was so good, especially they copied some of the aspects. Like they did like a a marching scene in New Orleans, which was perfectly how they incorporated that. So yeah, the the camera was just brilliant in it, how they captured everybody. Very nice. And so finally, Abby, 
Mario, what would you say the age range and star rating should be for tall girl? Well, I think 10 to 18 because I definitely think boys and girls will seriously enjoy it. But as I say that age is because there is some kissing in it. <laughs> but over, overall, I think it's such a great movie. I give it 4.5 out of 5 stars. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Abigail. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much. You did so amazing. Thank you. <laughs> you too. And so I'm now excited to watch Tall Girl, and I'm going to check it out on Netflix this Friday. And so I hope you can too. Let's take a break. I'm Sahiba, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show... Oh, thank you for being here, Abigail. Oh, and before I forget, it comes out September 13th on Netflix. Cool. I'm going to check it out. Thank you again, Abigail. Thank you so much. Let's take a break. I'm Sahiba, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Quick reminder that Kids First has launched a crowdfunding campaign to support our film critics program to donate. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Today's show is sponsored by Yo-Kai Watch Season 1, Volume 2. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First film critics boot camps in three cities, New York, Washington, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm jerry orse from los angeles and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we're going to be talking to ethan about a short film called out of this world and ethan first i want to know is what did you think of this film and can you talk a little bit about it for people who have never heard of it it's really good i like the comedy because the kids are extremely funny, and the story's very interesting. Like, you know that feeling where your parents are, like, telling you 
to go do a chore, but you're like, one second, and then you're like, oh, I should probably do it, but you keep watching and you forget about the chore. It's kind of like that. It's just really good, and it keeps your attention the whole time. But uh, this short film is about an alien and her pet who came to Earth for a look, like to look for an element to save her planet, and she made friends with people on Earth, and together they just did things together until one person discovered that she was an alien. Okay, interesting. And this film, I believe you said before we started recording, it's 36 minutes long, right? Yeah, 38. So this is a pretty long short film. It's almost in the reign of feature length. Does it keep your attention and does it entertain you the entire time? Yeah, a lot. That's good to hear. And what do you think is so entertaining about it? I know you talked about the comedy, but I'd like to know, in your opinion, what makes it really entertaining? I like the music because the singing was really good. Like, I know they didn't do it. They did, like, in the... Like, I know they did the movie. And then then they started, like, doing the voices. But the voices were really good, and it really looked like it was all in one. Well, that's good. And do you think that the score had matched what was going on? Because, honestly, sometimes in sci-fi movies these days, it doesn't match that well. and can almost kind of overpower the audio. It, it was good. That's good. And can you talk a little bit about the animation? Because, like I said, this is an animated film. Um, the special effects are okay. And I like how the alien's eyes turn purple. Like, when she uses any powers. And she has tentacles, too, that look real. And she has a pet, Fluffy. It's like a... I don't know how to describe it. It's like an octopus, Fluffy animal. Uh, it, lo- it looks like... Like... You can know that it's fake, but it looks like it's actually there. Oh, that's wonderful. And is this live action or is this animation? This is live live action. Okay, sorry, I got that mistaken. So, <laughs> do tell, because it, it, an indie short that's 38 minutes long that is live action in sci-fi, that's really difficult to do. And I'm sure they had a lot of budgetary issues because, for people who don't know, sci-fi is pretty expensive. So can you talk a little bit about how it looked, how they created different planets and aliens? Did it all look very realistic? Uh, yeah. They had, like, spaceships. Um, it looked like... Like, you can kind of tell that it was made by someone, and they just took it, and then they edited it into the universe. But it was kind of hard to tell. I only noticed because a shape from something looked familiar. And it was actually really convincing, and... I know they rented um, a school. I forgot what the school's called, but I know they rented it. So everything just looks realistic. That's really good to hear. And, you know, it's wonderful to see indie films because they get really creative with working away, working around their budgets. Like, if you look at micro-budget films, which are generally really low, like under $100,000 or under $10,000, it's so interesting the things they do, and especially for sci-fi. So I'm glad this one was able to achieve it. And in terms of the story itself, do you think that it is in-depth? Because to me, what it sounds like, it seems like a very kind of almost overdone story. Did you get that impression, or does it feel original to you? Um, It was actually pretty good. Like, I would, ne- I would have never thought of something like this before. It was just really good, and it blows your mind. That's great. And is there any confusion? Because a big danger with sci-fi or fantasy is that you can kind of get lost in the universe and the audience wouldn't really understand what's going on. Well, I did get lost at one part, but then I did it again and I saw what happened. I see. Okay, well, that's good to know. 
Right now, we're talking to Ethan about the short sci-fi film, Out of This World. And Ethan, my next question is, I'd love to know about the acting, because even if it is sci-fi, the actors still need to make the characters come to life. So what do you think about the acting? The acting was actually really good. And what's cool is that they speak English and Spanish. So that must have been hard if all they can speak was one language and they had the they had to learn the other. But other than that, it was just amazing. All the actors, I'm pretty sure, could actually make the movie. That's great. And how about the cinematography? Because personally, when I see a lot of sci-fi films, I'm looking for those shots, even though the big planet sitting in the vacuum of space or... You know, distant alien mountains, things like that, that kind of get you into the universe. Well, there wasn't really much because when when the alien was on planet Earth, it, it was just normal because they filmed it like outside or in the school. But when you're in like the space, they have like spaceships because they live on the spaceship. And it's really cool because it's like it looks so realistic, but it's not. So it's like hard to believe that it's not. Well, I'm glad they were able to achieve it. Again, I just can't believe that they were able to do a 38-minute sci-fi film because it is so hard to do even 5-minute, 10-minute sci-fi films as an indie filmmaker. So really, kudos to them. And I w- I'm sure a lot of parents want to know, what do you think of the age rating? Do you think it's age-appropriate? Um, I'd say 5 to 18 plus adults, and there's nothing bad in it. It's just really funny. So I think kids would really like this. That's great, and I'm glad they were able to make it funny. In my opinion, we don't have enough space comedies. We don't have enough sci-fi comedies. Now, sci-fi always seems to be action and adventure. I really miss the good old sci-fi comedies we used to have, so I'm glad this one took a very comedic route. And do you think the comedy is ever weak or it gets a little bit in front of the story, or do they mix it well? Um, It was really good. I think only one... It was only one comedy that I like kind of didn't giggle to, but... It's just like the beginning of a movie, so I kind of understand. I know it's going to get way better at, on the actual movie. This is just like a test, kind of. So I'm pr- so I'm going to say that it was like really good. And I also want to know, because this is 38 minutes long and a general feature-length film is 90 minutes long, do you think that this film could be stretched out to normal feature length, or do you think it's better as a short film? Um, well, it w- there is a few questions at the end that I had. Well, I think they can make it bigger just adding little details because that 38 minutes explained everything. Okay, I can understand that. Like almost subplots to go along the main narrative. Yeah. And, and out of the 38 minutes, do you have a favorite scene or moment? Um, my favorite part was at the end when the main characters realize that the alien gave them her powers. So they all have powers now. Okay, and why is that your favorite scene? Because this is this was the part I was confused about because I didn't get how they had that. But she actually gave it to them because she told them that she was going to give them a gift. And then at the end, you see them walking and then they walk by someone and then you see all of their purple eyes flash. And it's like, oh, my God. And then it just ends. And you're like, oh, I want more. Oh, that's interesting. Like a cliffhanger. I really love when sci-fi films do that. Like at the very end, they just leave you gasping like, oh, my God, it all come. It all ended up like that. That's Really great to hear. And overall, how many stars would you give this film and why? Definitely five out of five, because this is one of the best short films I've ever seen. Well, that's excellent, and it sounds like a wonderful short film. I'm going to be looking up for it myself, because it seems like a really good watch. And I definitely recommend the audience to as well. 
But for now, let's take a break. I'm Jerry Ors and from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Yokai Watch Season 1, Volume 2. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm sahiba and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we've been talking with alice ken we've been talking about tall girl an amazing sci-fi movie called out of this world and next we'll be talking with jerry about making waves art of cinematic sound welcome back jerry Thank you very much. Of course. So can you tell me um, a bit about this documentary and what your thoughts are on it? Absolutely. So Making Waves, the Art of Cinematic Sound is, just like it sounds like, all about the art of cinematic sound. It looks at cinematic sound, which includes music, it includes sound effects like gunshots and explosions, it includes dialogue editing, includes everything, not only today, but throughout history as well, and how it kind of changed throughout history since the very first talkies as they call them with uh people talking and of course that was revolutionary back then and it was all the way to today with very modern films like black panther and roma and how they use sound themselves oh that is a very interesting topic and so sometimes uh documentaries can be very tedious to watch but does making waves make learning about sound interesting Oh, absolutely. This is more like a video essay than a documentary because it is just so very visual. And the audio aspect of it is also included. You know, they do a lot of explanations about audio concepts like uh, the difference between stereo and mono, which just quick crash course. Stereo is when you can hear two things in both ears. Mono is when you hear the same thing in both your ears. That's the difference. But they explain that type of stuff in a very good way where you don't really need to have any critical thinking you're just shown it using your senses and it's really genius how they do it and 
Also, when they want to explain a concept that a film used, they just show the film clip itself. So it's more like a long series of clips from amazing films. And I absolutely adored that. It didn't feel boring at all. It didn't feel slow at all. It felt entertaining. It felt quick paced. The length was absolutely perfect. I didn't have any complaints at all. Oh, yeah, that's a unique way of telling um, a story. And so why do you think after watching Making Waves that it's important to learn about cinematic sound? It's a very interesting topic, I think. Well, I think that sound is extremely important in films. I mean, we, of course, should think that sound is important because if it wasn't for sound, we wouldn't have this radio show. But in films, it is still half the game. I mean, if you don't have sound, you're missing a big part of the film. The most famous films in history, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jaws, you know, their sounds make everything. You know, the explosions, the the noises of the spaceship or an Indiana Jones, the whip that Indiana Jones has, or the sound of a ball rolling towards him. All those little min- minute sounds really encompass you into the world and makes the world feel natural and realistic. Without them, it would feel fake. And I don't think people realize just how much work goes to it. Like, one point, they're talking about the film Apocalypse Now. And just quick note, Apocalypse Now is an adult film, so do note that before you look it up. But Apocalypse Now, they have a boat on a lot of the films, and they were saying that there's somebody specifically tasked with just designing the sound of the boat rushing through the water because it's little things like that that our subconscious understands and takes in and makes us think that this is all real life and that this film is portraying a real world. Wow, that's very interesting. And so um, what are some more fun facts that you learned while watching um, Making Waves Art of Cinematic Sound? Oh, I could go on all day. But uh, let's see, what's another fun fact? They were talking about in the 50s and 60s how music is kind of overpowering sound in that era. And you can see that in a lot of the famous films from the 50s and 60s. They just put these big orchestral scores and the little design of sound is not that noticeable. And I also love when they talk about dialogue editing. So anybody who's ever watched any film ever, you generally want to hear the people talk. And the dialogue editor is the person responsible for making that voice crisp and clear. Generally, when you're filming something on set, it sounds absolutely terrible. You're going to hear clicks and clatters and clings and clacks everywhere. And it's the dialogue editor's job to you know, stitch it together and make it sound like it's smooth and clear like you see in any modern film. Generally, the big difference, if you actually look between indie films or student films and big professional Hollywood films, is not the camera, the story, or anything. The biggest difference is generally the audio in cinematic films is always much higher quality. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's so funny because often when I watch a film, I'm not thinking about what I'm hearing, but... When I do think about it, as you're telling me now, I realize how different the experience would be and how incomplete films would be without sound. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we were talking with Alice Ken. We were talking about Tall Girl, Out of This World. And right now I'm going to continue talking with Jerry about Making Ways, The Art of Cinematic Sound. So Jerry, I heard that you got to meet the director, Mitch Costin. Can you tell me a bit about that experience? Absolutely. So Mitch Costin not only worked on a lot of big pictures, including uh, Armageddon, 
but she also has taught for many, many years at the world-famous UOC School of Cinematic Arts, specifically in the sound department. She led the sound department at the school for a lot of years, and she was incredibly knowledgeable of sound, of course. So it was interesting talking to her. Like uh, One thing she told me is when I was talking about dialogue editing before the break, she said that was generally a female role that it was seen as something feminine. And of course, nowadays, luckily, it's getting a bit more understandable that anybody can do dialogue editing. But uh, we were also talking about women in sound and how when she started and compared to now, it really hasn't changed that much. So just a quick shout out to anybody who wants to go into sound editing, no matter your gender, go do it. I mean, sound editing and sound designing is definitely a big art that makes films really incredible. And it was just interesting hearing her talk to it because, of course, her whole life revolves around the very little minute things in sound. We also talked a lot about uh, storytelling from sound, and people don't really realize this, but there's a lot of things that sound defines. And she talked about how, for example, if you're in a car and if the person's very wealthy, you're not going to hear much. You may hear some crickets or you may hear some birds chirping outside the car. But if the person's a little bit more poor, maybe they're in a worse neighborhood. You're going to maybe be hearing helicopters or music or things like that. Those little sound details allows us to subconsciously put a character in a position without needing, needing to be told anything. I think most people understand the rule of show, don't tell in films, but there's also this rule of listen, don't say, because if you can just create this soundscape that puts the characters naturally in their roles, you don't have to tell the audience anything. That is extremely fascinating. I've never heard that before. And um, I'm so excited to watch this film now. I feel like I'm going to learn so much and have a new appreciation for sound. And so did you feel um, inspired in any way after watching this documentary? Oh, absolutely. I always loved sound and always held it close to my heart. You know, even when my when I was making my own student films or short films, I Sound is clearly a very important process when you are in the editing room and you can hear everything. You can really understand how important it is then. But what really stood out to me, what really made me connect to this film is when they kind of looked at a human aspect of the sound designers and sound editors. Like they looked at some people and they kind of had them talk about how they were attached to the medium almost. You know, sound designers and sound editors, they're artists too, and they have this connection, this deep, deep connection with the craft. And sometimes it's hard to separate that from their own personal lives. So it was really fascinating to listen to them talk about that and talk about just trying to separate personal life and the work. And I don't think a lot of people realize that does happen a lot behind the camera. You know, the behind the camera is very secretive, but it happens all the time. And I'm glad this film showed it. Yeah, that's another very intriguing um, fact that, you know, a lot of people, including myself, no, don't really pay too much attention to. So I'm really excited for this film and uh, the knowledge that it seems to be full of. And so I noticed this documentary has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's won so many film festivals and everything you tell, told me seems to um, support that. But why do you think it's getting so much great recognition? I think it's a few things. Definitely in um, the film industry, I think there is a mutual respect for sound because they don't get a lot of the credit. They don't get a lot of the budget, but they make a lot of the craft that we watch. So I think there's also just a mutual respect from people in the film industry and from people outside of it. It's just a really well-made documentary. I mean, director Mitch Costin, writer Bobette Buster and the editing team and everybody just did so exceptional in crafting a 
very broad look of sound while still maintaining a lot of the details and making it entertaining for everybody. That's wonderful. And so finally, Jerry, what would you say the age and star rating should be for making waves the art of cinematic sound? Well, parents don't really have anything to worry about. My only uh, warning would just be that younger kids may not be able to grasp the concepts talked about it. So I'll give an age rating of 13 to 18. I'd also absolutely give it five out of five stars because it is an exceptionally well-made documentary. Amazing. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, Jerry. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. So I'm going to check out Making Waves, the artist cinematic sound in theaters, October 26, 2019. And I hope everyone can get a chance to watch such an inspiring and knowledgeable documentary. Thank you so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, KidsWorld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Yokai Watch Season 1, Volume 2. And one quick reminder, Kids First has launched a crowdfunding campaign to help support our, our film critics program. We are more than halfway to our goal of $15,000, and today we ask for your support to help expand Kids First training and educational opportunities for kids, both nationally and around the world. 100% of your donations supports our Kids First Film Critics training and implementation. To donate, please go to www.kidsfirst.org. Thank you once again. I'm Sahiba. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.